Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, it's great. It's Palm Sunday. We know our children are going to walk out probably from Colonial Kids with their amazing leaders with some palms. They're going to wave them at us all day and tell us about it. Um, it's one of my favorite Sundays that we have all year because I believe that it's so significant, and the Bible tells us that it's so significant as the first day of the Holy Week as we step into this next week, which for us as believers changed everything. Um, so it's going to be an incredible Sunday today because I believe God is already moving um, I wanted to tell you a story, though, before we get too much into it, about something exciting that happened in our house. Um, in the past m- couple months or so, um, there were baby bunnies born to us, just in time for Easter. So if you're interested, just kidding. They're all taken. They're very cute. Um, a while ago, uh, our neighbor had a free-range bunny. It was called Special. I'll tell you a really great story about that bunny, actually. No, no, it's called Special. Maisie's like, let me correct you. <laughs> it's her bunnies. It started out with Special. Special had some bunnies, as bunnies do. And then after years of a long and beautiful life, Special met one of the neighborhood dogs who she used to be faster than. She got older. You know, she's a Special bunny. So Special was gone. And then sure enough, there was another bunny that kind of took her place as the neighborhood free-range bunny. And they called that one Peschel, just took the S off. That one didn't last quite as long. Special was special. (laughs) She's like a dog. She'd just come over next door and say, hey, that one didn't make it very long. So then there was another one, and it was called Eschel. (laughs) So Eschel would have baby bunnies underneath their shed, and Maisie would go over and help catch the baby bunnies, and she caught her first bunny that we ever let her keep. It was the first person to ever hold this cute little gray bunny with blue eyes, and it was just, this, it would lick her hand. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, and so obviously I said, yes, you can have it, <laughs> so I can hold it. And so she got this little bunny who was gray and called him gray. You also have a bunny, don't you, babe? And it's called, or a, a bear, and it's called bear. <laughs> We're good. If you need any kit and names for your kids, see Maisie? She's been, you have a kid, it's called Kid. Just kidding. She's amazing at names. Um, You know, so now we have these gorgeous little bunnies, but we started off with gray. And so in our old house, there was uh, two big closets in her room, and I was like, you know what? I don't want just any bunny space. I want a bunny condo. And I've been on Instagram and seen the DIY girls, and I'm like, I can do that. And so sure enough, I went and I bought some materials, and I was like, I got this. Um... And so I thought, it doesn't take an expert, <laughs> which is me, not an expert. It does take an expert, just for the record. I started building this thing. I'm like, okay, I got, this sh- I got the shelves in there, a little wobbly, but I'm like, bunnies aren't that heavy, so it'll be fine. Um, this bunny weighs like nothing. And then I put the door on, and the door was cute, and I looked at it, I wallpapered it. Cutest wallpaper. <laughs> this bunny was like a picture waiting to happen every time you opened the cage. And, you know, so I put the door on, it was cute and square, and you kind of lifted it up. Sure enough, within a couple days, 
instead of lifting up all in one piece, it kind of lifted up like this. And it was had like, you know, the wire inside. And so then you'd get like shanked every time you opened the bunny cage. So it was the shanking cage of 2019 or so. Um, it didn't work that great <laughs> after a little while, but we made it work. But then we moved. And so in the new house, I needed to do kind of the same thing because, again, I didn't want just any bunny cage. I wanted the bunny condo, the bunny extravaganza. And so this time, instead of trying to DIY my way into a um, wonky bunny cage, I called my dad <laughs> because it does take an expert, and my dad knows how to build stuff, and he's particular, and he does it like in a way that won't just last like for a few days, but that sucker is going to be there until the end of time. Like... <laughs> generations on generation after us that will come and live in our house would be like, well, if you want a bunny, this cage is still going strong. Um, so sure enough, my dad came over and he starts building the bunny cage and, you know, we get it done. It looks amazing. And he's like, well, this is how you put on the door because he had seen the wonky bunny cage. He was probably painful to look at when he came over. He's <laughs> trying not to redo it for me. And, you know, I, I watched him do things and I was like, well, that's not the way I did it. But my dad's doing it differently, and there's a reason that he's doing it differently, because when you do it that way, it's going to last longer. And as I was thinking about, you know, my Easter bunny cage, which now holds two grown-up bunnies and three baby bunnies, and is strong, I was thinking about how much it's like we are with God. Often we come with our lives, and we're like, I got it. I got a plan. I'm going to build something here. I got my tools. I know what I want. I don't want just any life. I'm going to build this life that I've hoped of and dreamed of. And it doesn't take an expert. I can handle this. And all of a sudden, your life is like the front of that bunny cage. And it's not only like unstable, but it's wounding the people that are around you. <laughs> because you built it all on your own. And the reality is that God is a master builder. And, you know, you can just take all those supplies and tools, all the things that you've gathered and all the plans and all the purposes that you're like, I'm sitting here with this pile of stuff that didn't work out, and you can give it to the master builder. And you know what he'll do? He'll build something of your life. He'll do something with what you've brought to him that will not just last for a little bit or make people think you've got it together for just a little bit of time, but a life of faithfulness and perseverance and character because he loves to do something in our lives because he's a God who loves his people. And he's actually been doing that since the beginning of time. And if we think back, way back to the garden, when we were walking with God and we were in relationship with God and everything was good and you know, just walking with him in the cool of the day as Adam and Eve did when everything was right before sin. Sin comes and it breaks us apart from him. And we, we say, or Eve says, you know, I think I've got a better way. I don't want to miss out. I want this and what I see from my, maybe I'm going to miss out if I only do it his way. And ever since that moment, he's been doing something to get us back to right relationship with him. He did it in the Ten Commandments when he gave them to Moses. He gave us a law to keep so that we could be made right with him by the law, but we couldn't do it that way, and he knew we wouldn't be able to. So instead of leaving us there, like, oh, you weren't enough, you couldn't do that, he said, let me give you another way. I'm going to send you my only son, who I love, 
and he's going to take your place so that all you have to do now is say yes and believe in him and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's the only way, that he's Lord. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father. No man comes back into right relationship with God but through Jesus, and so all we have to do is go through Jesus, and then he's made a way, and he's been doing something to get you back into that place of right relationship with him since the beginning of time. He didn't just start doing something. He's not winging it. You know, like sometimes we just wing it. <laughs> like, like imagine if I just got up here this morning and I just winged it. I don't know. We'll see what God wants to say. He's been purposing and planning your whole life every day. He knows every single breath that you'll take. He knows the number of your days. He's not winging it for your life. He hasn't been winging it since the garden. He has had a purpose and a plan, and he's been doing something since the beginning of time. And my prayer today is that we would understand that in our lives, he is doing something today. This isn't like just an overarching, okay, something I know about God is that he does stuff. This is like he is doing something in your personal heart today. He knows exactly how you walked in. He knows what you're longing for. He knows what your unmet desires are. He knows what you're waiting for. He knows what you've been hurt by. He knows what you like are afraid to even dare to dream of because it seems like how could I ever experience that kind of fullness in my life? He knows. And he's doing something. He's taking you on a path. There's a process to get to the fullness of joy, to a life lived abundantly in him. And you know what it, what it takes? It just takes staying on the road with him and going, God, I trust that you're doing something. It means that in the night season, you just stick it out with him. It means when it's hard, you just go, God, I know you're doing something right now. And so if you're looking for a title this morning, you can just write down, he's doing something. And let's pray. God, we love you so much. Father, there is no name but your name that can save Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch every heart in this room, that there would be soft, open hearts this morning. God, that freedom would be realized in the room this morning, that we would see that you are the Prince of Peace and that we have peace in you this morning, Jesus. God, would you open our eyes and our ears to see that you are doing something in the world, in your church, and in our lives this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so we're gonna jump in to Luke 19. So you can open your Bibles or you can read it on the screen with me. Um, and this is the story of the triumphal entry. So Jesus is coming in, um, and this is where we're going to start. And we, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it, found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to him, why are you untying the colts? As you might do if you had a colt in front of your house, anybody, and somebody came and untied it. Why are you doing that? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Do you know that when God tells you to do something, he'll go, always give you an answer to people that have questions for you? The Lord has need of it. The Lord said to do that. 
And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread out their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God, all the people that were following him, and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and on and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because this would have only been said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, of the Messiah. And they're like, you're a teacher. They can't say that about you. Tell them to be quiet. Rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is doing something here. And there's a little bit of chaos and confusion because they're all, they're all praising him as he's coming down the street with the palms of the cloaks, the, the donkey, which, by the way, who rides in on the colt of a donkey? I know a little bit about horses, and what I know is you pair the size of the person with the horse. And so Jesus, to me, is a little oversized for the colt of a donkey. You know, God never does anything weird. He just does things on purpose. And so there's a reason that he did it that way and he was doing something. And in your life, when you're like, what's happening? I'm trusting you. I'm being obedient, God, but it kind of feels weird. This is a little out of the ordinary. He's doing something. And if you'll trust him, that'll get you on the path to get you to where he's actually calling you to go. And you know, in Romans 8, 28, this is what it says. And this is how we know that he's doing something, that he's doing something in us. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He will always do something and it will always be for his glory and for your good. So let's just have, I just wanna give you a couple handles, actually three, just to be fresh. (laughs) When I believe he's doing something, there's three things that I think we see in this passage that happen. Number one, when I believe he's doing something, I trust the way that he comes. So Jesus comes riding in on this colt of a donkey. And he's ushering in, in this moment, his kingship. But the problem is, is that they think his kingship will look like he's going to take over everything on the earth. And he's going to rule and reign on the earth right then. He's going to shut down all their enemies. It's going to be like the battle is on and he's winning. But what's actually happening is he's ushering in a kingdom of peace. And that's why he comes on the donkey. It's actually prophesied in Zechariah 9. It says in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It was on purpose that he got on that colt. And it was wild because he was declaring by that very act that he was the Messiah and that he was the son of God. It was on purpose. He does things on purpose in your life. If he asks you to do something that feels a little bit out of the ordinary, trust him. I trust the way he comes. It's scary when you you invite God into a place in your life where you're desperate for him to move 
And we know because his word tells us that his sheep know the sound of his voice, so you know you're going to hear him, and he's going to give you direction, and sometimes it's not going to make you comfortable. I don't know why in our modern era we've got this idea that once you say yes to God, everything's just fine, and if you're not comfortable, you're not doing it right. I would say if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not doing it right. Because there's nothing comfortable about following a God who would send his only son to die for the people that he loves. And we are like him. We are like Jesus. And it's not supposed to always feel comfortable. But do you know it's in the giving up of our greatest self that we find the greatest love of God over us. It's finding ourselves in the middle of suffering at his feet and knowing he's still with us and he's going to take us right through to the end to the promise that we realize that we can trust him no matter where he comes and how he comes and what he asks. And that is the Christian life. I trust the way that he comes when I believe he's doing something that's bigger than this moment right now. Number one, I trust the way he comes. Number two, I trust the timing of his arrival. And here's the thing, you know, just like building that bunny cage, you can let the creation of your own path or like, I've got this and this is what I'm doing, God. Don't you see that I got gathered my materials? Don't you see that I have a plan? Don't you see I'm going somewhere with this, God? I would like for you to watch me so you'll be so proud of me, God. And God is like, no, 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 no. I actually want to build this with you. Don't let the creation of your own path become a distraction to the path that he's making right in front of you. Jesus made a path right in front of all of his followers. He went right down the middle of them. And he was intentional about the time that he arrived. Up until this point, Jesus had been doing miracles, but he had really been operating under this sort of veiled disclosure you know, when he would do a miracle, you would read afterwards, he would say sometimes to the person, go and tell no one. You're like, what? Go and tell everyone. But Jesus wasn't ready to say, I'm the Messiah yet. He was going around, he was healing people. He was meeting the woman at the well. He was doing things differently. There was this ministry that was happening, but Jesus had come to Lazarus, who was dead and buried, and he met Mary and Martha, and they're weeping, and Jesus is moved with compassion. He's full of grief with them, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And from that moment, he knew that everything would change. And no longer would he be the teacher and the rabbi, but that declared something about who he was to raise him from the dead, that he was Christ the Messiah. And that was the beginning of the road to the cross and resurrection. And he was on time. He wasn't like, oh, today could be a great day. To tell people, I mean, I feel pretty good today. Woke up, had some breakfast. Hey, I'm the Messiah. It wasn't winging it. God doesn't wing it. He was intentional. He knew the moment. He knew the hour. He chose to instruct his disciples to get the cult of the donkey. Because it said what he wanted to say in that moment. And I'm telling you that when you believe God is doing something in your life, like Israel, you might have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, waiting through seasons of desert and slavery and hardship and where are you, God? 
but his arrival will be right on time. He won't be early and he won't be late and you can't make him early and you can't mess it up enough to make him late. He will come on time if you'll just see that he's moving right in front of you. You can trust the timing of his arrival. It's on purpose. I don't know if you're in a hard season right now where you feel like, man, this is not what I thought it would be. You feel like you've been alone and you're like, God, where are you? I'm telling you right now, he will not be late to show up for you. And he will always show up for you because he is faithful and that is who he is. So you can trust the timing of his arrival. And number three, when I believe that he's doing something, I stay faithful until the promise is fulfilled. This is just the beginning of a moment. This is the start of our holy week that would change. This would change everything for you and me. Everything. We went from not having a way to know God to having a way through his one and only son. And much like you would imagine a marathon or a race, it begins with cheering from the sidelines. There's people lined up. The little colts, little Hooves don't even touch the ground. There's so many cloaks, and everybody's saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's cheering. Our Messiah has come. He's here. Finally, we've been waiting for this. But you know, much like a race begins, there's a lot of cheering at the starting line. You start running, and the cheering starts to fade into the background. Maybe you get along the way, and you're running with people, and you Meet somebody serving a little water on the sideline. You get a little refreshment. Like, all right, let's keep going. So Jesus has all the cheering at the start. The same cheers that were saying, "Blessed is he who come in the name of the, who comes in the name of the Lord," were the same voices who were saying, "Crucify him." Days later, it's easy to give up in the middle of the miracle taking place. You know, you start out, yes, God came for me, he's here. And then it gets hard because you're tired and there's persevering and there's character building and man, I'm being refined. And all of a sudden our cheers on a Sunday during the week turns out, where are you, God? You didn't come through for me, God. You know, what's interesting about Jesus coming on the colt of a donkey is that at that time, what would happen is somebody was coming in as a general of an army even. They wouldn't find a colt of a donkey. They would find a big horse. Not just like an average horse, one that you're like, oh, that's a big horse. And even more so, the king would come on his horse. That horse had to be a few hands taller than the general's horse, because it signified, I am the king. I ride on the high horse. You see me coming. I come with strength. And you know by the size of my horse that I'm important. But Jesus came on a donkey. And he came low. Now I wonder sometimes if we're like in the middle of our race, waiting for Jesus to impress us with the size of his horse. So that the people around us are like, wow, look at your God and his horse. When we need to have the posture 
to know that my God is doing something and you might just see a donkey, but I see a king ushering in peace. I see a king that didn't just come for some, but came for all. And you might just see a donkey, but I see a God who's showing his love by humbling himself to become a servant king so that you could be a part of this. And sometimes in our waiting, we forget that he's doing something. We're like, I want to be impressed, God. Do the thing that I asked for. I thought you were coming to like rule and reign with your swords and your horse. He's like, I'm coming on a donkey because it's not just about you. He's doing something. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize to run so that you might obtain it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one just beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Can I, can I tell you something? Jesus comes in on the colt of a donkey and he goes to the cross and he dies for us and he's in the tomb and there's waiting and wondering what's happening from his disciples. There's a longing to give up hope because it's not how they thought it would look. But you know what? On Sunday, what do we celebrate? The resurrection and the life. And so when you find yourselves running in the middle of the race and you're tired and you're weary and you feel like giving up, you know what we can remember? Jesus already went to the grave. So when we feel like we're in the tomb and we feel like all hope is lost, do you know who's there with you? Your God. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of the storm, he's with you. And not only is he with you there, but he's leading you out to the promise that he has for you. So don't give up when you're in the middle of the fight. He came in riding on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey. You know, he's coming back differently. This will blow your mind. He came in on the colt of a donkey because he made a way for every single person to know him. He is the only way, but he makes a way so that nobody is left without the opportunity to accept him into their heart as Lord and Savior of their lives. And he loves you and he doesn't care all of your past and where you came from. He loves you right now, just like you are. And do you know that if you don't know him this morning, he's doing something in you right now. And he doesn't come and, and, you know, point his finger at you and shame you. He's going, shame off you. My son died so that shame could come off you and you could just live in relationship with me and know that I love you and I have more for you. And you were made with purpose and you have a hope and a life. And so he makes this whole way for all of us. But there will be a day when we're held accountable for the response that we have to him. And I'm going to show you this. This is how he's coming back. He came on the colt of a donkey, and he says in Revelation 19, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. He's coming back on a white horse. You know it's so big. 
with justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Imagine that. Eyes blazing like fire, many crowns on his head. The white horse, the armies of heaven following him. Riding on white horses. Smaller than his, surely. And dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Do you see the contrast? Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came for you to usher in a kingdom of peace. But there will be a day, lest we ever forget, that he will come back. He is coming back. Again, we are in the middle of the story. It isn't over. It's not like he did something. He is doing something today. And we are a part of it. We're not reading an old story. He is doing something right now. And our response determines what this day, when he comes back on the white horse, looks like for you and I. Because the Bible tells us every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You will either bow to your knees in thanksgiving and worship because he has come. Or you'll bow in fear because you realize you missed him right before your eyes. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would see him coming and doing something in your heart. And that your response today to the King of kings and the Lord of lords would be, yes, God, I want to give you my whole life. I believe you're the way. I believe you're the truth. And I believe that you are the life. Because he loves you. He came on the colt for you. He didn't come on the white horse. He came on the colt for you. A humble servant king, the holy one of God the creator of the universe. He put on our flesh and walked with us. He got on a little tiny baby donkey. And he went before the ones he knew would crucify him. And he died a savage, horrific death to take on my sin and your sin before you even realized that you needed him. But he didn't stop there. He was raised from the dead. And so we can believe this morning that he's doing something and we can stay. We can keep going until the promise is fulfilled in our lives. Because he did. And he's going to walk through it right to the end with us. So why don't we stand together? I just want to take a moment and pray. Because I believe that in, in this room today, because I know my own heart... Some of us need to take all these materials that we've been gathering for so long trying to build our own lives and to realize we're building a shoddy version of what God actually has intended for us and we need to just give him everything and go, you know what, you build it, God. I can't do it on my own. If you're in a season of nighttime, 
If you're ever in a season of waiting, of longing, of hoping, of hardship, do you know that today you don't have to be afraid because he is a good shepherd and he's your keeper and he's gonna lead you through because you belong to him? You don't have to try and get his love. He's gonna pour it all out over you so much that even in the middle of the battle, you're like, I might feel like I'm in in a tomb, but resurrection is coming and I can have hope. So why don't we begin to sing, team? We're just going to worship. Let's let's confess that over our lives. Let's declare that. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.